0: Here's what's coming up on this week's show.
1: If you had a big chunk, you just got distracted and I can't believe I'm about to ask this, <laughs> and half the biscuit fell off and went to the bottom of your mug, would you still drink it or would you make yourself another one?
2: Oh, that's a good question. The <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to The Big Little Business Show, the podcast that helps small business think big. Hey, hey, welcome to The Big Little Business Show. It's Paul Mumford over here, the lovely Claire Horsley over there. We're at episode 60, but so before we go any further, it's important to say that if you haven't heard us before, or maybe you have, make sure you like or follow us on whatever platform you're listening to us right now. And leave us a review too. Let us know what you think about the show, because it all helps to big us up in podcast land and helps us get exposed to new listeners. If exposed is the right word to use, it seems a bit dirty, but uh, never mind, we'll go with it. Uh, And here we are in episode 60, Claire.
1: 60, wow, that's that's a lot.
2: And we've still not managed to do a single episode in the same studio together.
1: No, I know. It would be amazing, wouldn't it? It'd be amazing to be able to do that one day, one day.
2: Uh, One day. This has all become so easy now, hasn't it? The thing is, uh, because we're so used to doing it in this way, where we're in two different locations, we're recording... uh, our own little part of the conversation uh, locally and then putting it all together in the edit. It just seems like a very easy way to do it and that's part of the big picture and part of what we're talking about today, Claire, isn't it? Because the world has changed.
1: The world has changed dramatically in the last 18 months. Um, So today we are going to be talking about what is the future for e-commerce.
2: Yeah, and we touched on this a little bit in our last episode when we were talking about the general changes that have happened on social media with regard to Uh, what's happened over the last 18 months uh, and with COVID and how people's behaviours have changed. And we touched on e-commerce last week. We thought it'd be a great idea to expand on that and actually speak to someone who really knows their way around e-commerce to find out what's going on.
1: It's a huge subject. So today we're going to be talking to Naomi McLaughlin, who is a lecturer at the University of Europe for Applied Sciences in Germany. Uh, is also a lecturer uh, for the German Chamber of Commerce as well. So really looking forward to hearing what Naomi's views are on the future for e-commerce.
2: This is the Big Little Business Show. Here we go. What's changed over the last 18 months with regards to people's behaviours with shopping online? What do you think the big changes are?
0: Well, first of all, I would say the biggest change is that people were forced to buy online before it was a choice before you could choose to either go in store or buy your products and services um, online whereas now with the closures with the lockdown with loads of retail closures for good as well and the travel ban I think that's the biggest um, driver as to why e-commerce is booming and has changed and it it, it is at an all time high as well. So, um, and we can clearly see the correlation between the two, the pandemic, and then obviously all the fallout.
1: And also I imagine a lot of these habits, new installed habits, are here to stay. Um I used to enjoy going around the shops and, and browsing. Um, but I've even ordered things such as, you know, for the kitchen, like Kitchen Town, things like that online. It's actually I think that's so much easier. And I and I'm gonna stay shopping like that. Um I'm not gonna revert back to, you know, the the, the previous way of shopping. So I think that's probably a big shift in things as well. Um so with regards to the situation with COVID. Do you think this has had a direct impact on escalating uh, the innovations in e-commerce?
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, They have... I mean, there are worldwide stats, obviously, out there. Um, For example, Statista has 4.9 trillion US dollars um, expected to, or even exceed, in 2021, and it has never been like that. I mean, that's a growth rate between 2014 and 2019 of 265 percent. So that's significant. So yes, I would, I would certainly say that there is a rise and it is a fallout of the pandemic, which isn't to be seen as to be negative. Obviously, for some small businesses, um, that was a challenge, but those who were able to adapt quickly um, were able to succeed in to some extent and some significantly, yes.
2: I think that's what we were talking about on the show last week, Claire, wasn't it? How that the, now that we're in this world now, things have changed Industry has responded to that. Certainly the you know, the people who, who who run the platforms to make e-commerce easy have now started to make it even easier. What small businesses have got to do, have got to realise that this is here now. It's here to stay. It's going to get bigger regardless of what happens with pandemics in the future. Uh, so, yeah, we really need to start embracing this stuff. Do you think all retailers should have an online offering now?
0: I do. Um it obviously depends on their target audience. So for some target audiences, it might still or target customers, it might still not be the idealist version of just offering, making an online offering. However, I think it needs to be created in form of an omni-channel. So basically having, if you wanted a location-based offer, but at the same time, also transport that offer online and also mobile. So I think, yes, um, they certainly need to evaluate who their customers and their ideal customers are, their existing and their potential ones. And then based on that analysis, they can create an offer. So I wouldn't generalize it, but the t- tendency to success online is definitely there.
1: Yeah. So if you've got a small business who is predominantly offered a product, uh, maybe in a shopfront. front, um, and hasn't ever you know previously explored putting their product or their service online what advice would you give to a business who is maybe realizing now that that this is something that they need to do
2: yeah that's a big question isn't it where do you start doing i mean i'm assuming Mm. you want to incorporate something into your website perhaps would that be the best place to start
0: Um, Yes and no. It depends. I I think those decisions need to be made in a strategic way. For example, there are some brands um, that are brand directed to customers, so they have no middlemen. That's obviously, for example, an option, but that is only possible if they have good suppliers, if they have a good supplier network, or if they produce, for instance, their products themselves. Um, It's also a matter of... Um, shipping and costs. So I think there are many, many aspects I need to um, consider first. So just setting up, for for instance, an e-commerce aspect within the website, but don't, then not being able to deliver it, um, I think makes it more challenging for a small business owner. So I think I would start with my strength and my weaknesses first as a small business owner, and then trans. For those skills, if you have any skill sets or prior knowledge when it comes to e-commerce, how can I then translate that into a successful customer journey? Because I think just having it is not good enough because customers can switch off very quickly and just move to another website, to another offer. Just you
1: can't necessarily transfer exactly the same way as it was. And if you don't have a suitable website to back up that product and it's not user-friendly, then that's not going to work either, is it?
0: Yes, absolutely. I mean, you always have to see the experience of of the customer, at your forefront, if you will. So, for instance, the the experience starts when when you go um, location-based, how your shop front is is presented, um, the way the entrance is either clean or isn't the way products can be found easily. And in a way, that's transferable to online, but that's not enough, unfortunately, because there's so much more um, yeah, competition, worldwide competition as well. Since we don't need to shop local necessarily online, we can go global. So, because of that, I think it's important to yeah to do more, more than just adding products to your to your website and making those available online.
2: But I guess if you've already been selling things in a real world setting and you're suddenly transferring or transferring some of your stuff uh, to an online, you've already got a customer base that perhaps is local. So I guess you've got somewhere to start. But yes, you're right. Uh, As a consumer, you can go anywhere. If you're buying a pair of shoes, you don't have to go down to your local high street and buy them. You can buy them online from any country, anywhere in the world.
0: Yes, absolutely. So I think the key factor here is to optimise your digital um, journey. So think from the customer's perspective, what do they want and need using your own data points and analyzing those. So if, if like you said, Paul, um, you have existing customers, what do they tend to buy most? How do they like it to be delivered or do they usually pick it up themselves, for instance, um, where are they based? Uh, what's the age age range? So you have to look at demographics. You have to look at your data points and analyze them. And based on that, you can then strategize. But
2: I think before we move on and look at other things, uh, something that uh, has come up on my radar quite a lot is the development of sites that make constructing a shopping-based website easy. I'm thinking about people like Shopify, and I know there are other products out there that do a similar thing. Are there ones you would suggest or recommend or ones that maybe work better than others?
0: A platform like Shopify, for example, was developed for that purpose. So I think it needs to be purpose-driven, whatever software you go with. Um, It's difficult to have a a general website theme, for instance, or even a developed one uh, by a programmer. And then just to add something on, I think it needs to be purpose-built and the website needs to be purpose-built as well. Websites used to just hold information And probably opening hours and those kind of things, they are not interactive. So most of the websites that I see from small business owners are HTML-based. They need to include JavaScript, meaning they need to be interactive. They need to respond. Yeah, so when when it comes to Shopify, then obviously, yes, that is a platform um, or Wix, even though Wix is not as e-commerce friendly, in my opinion, but that's just, you know personal preference. Um, So yeah, it depends on the amount of products you really wanna sell. If it's a handful of products, you can add them to basically any website setting, but that isn't then necessarily your main drive of income for your business. It's just an add on. So yeah, those decisions definitely need to be made at the beginning.
2: I mean, it's easy to just dive straight in and think, oh, okay, I'm going to set up a Shopify account without really thinking beyond that at that point. I think you're right. It's important to understand what you're trying to offer, who you're trying to offer it for, and... The process that you would need to go through, I mean, if you're offering a service, for instance, there might not be a delivery aspect or certainly a a real world delivery aspect. Um, If you might be offering a course or something, then that becomes a lot easier because you don't actually have to physically package the thing and get it out to the customer. You can just send them an email. So I guess there are lots of those kind of decisions to make before you even think about putting something on a website.
0: Yes. Yes, I absolutely
2: agree to that, yeah. So not only has the website side of things changed over the last 18 months, and we were talking about this on the podcast last week, Claire, social media has changed in a big way, and actually it's only recently that Instagram made some big announcements about how they're changing their platform, but also a lot of the big um, social media uh, giants are changing the way they interact shopping with the whole social media experience. Uh, so you can buy things directly from Facebook. And I know Instagram is certainly developing that angle more. Uh, you've been able to buy things on TikTok directly from the site. So Don't
1: I know it? My daughter's been doing that.
2: Uh, has she?
1: Yes, she has. <laughs> yeah.
2: as, as long as she's told you first?
1: She did. Yeah, but I didn't realise, I didn't think you could do it. So I said, oh, yeah, of course you can. And then I realised actually she meant it.
2: Let's explain <laughs> that, explore that world a little bit. How does that work? And how does it work from the consumer's point of view? view and how does it work from perhaps the business's point of view
0: yes I think so it's called social selling or that's the term they usually use to describe exactly what you've just um, yeah well described um, we have those in-app purchases where you can uh, purchase directly from, a, from an app or within an app whether it's a mobile app from a social media platform or just a straight up app um, and I think yeah that has certainly grown um, and I think with a short description, an image, or a short video, and then a direct link to the product page or your landing page, if you will, um, and all the details necessary to make that purchasing decision, I think that has changed a lot for most um, businesses. And more and more small business owners have obviously picked up that trend. When you say TikTok, for instance, there are um, businesses that are so brand directed. So they've built their entire brand based on the customer who is interacting with them on a mobile basis. So either, like I said, within an app or within um, an advertisement that runs through social media. And I think, this type of audience was never accessible before because obviously it's on someone's mobile, they can make a decision within seconds. Is that what the definition of impulse buying is? <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Because within seconds, I mean, if, if we look at um, TikTok videos, for instance, they're between 15 and 60 seconds long. So um, within that, time you can already you know evaluate whether you either like the product or you don't and because those social selling advertisements if you will or even if it's not a straight up ad where somebody actually paid for but it's organic traffic somebody found that video or found this post on social media and interacted with it in a certain way and then chose to purchase the product or service i think the big change that's happening is that it doesn't feel like an advertisement anymore. It's content driven. We have an aha moment. We have that before and after, depending on what type of product it is. And we want to see um, what will happen on our journey. And I think um, there's loads of you know, co- consumer generated um, content obviously going around that's either um, organic. So people just wanna unbox their, whatever they've just um, been sent. Um, then, obviously, from a, from a from a from a sorry from a business standpoint, um, they've heavily invested into branded packaging so that when somebody then actually takes the time and unboxes something live or recorded um, online in a social setting, so via social media, um, has then not only shown the product and the excitement of it, but also it's a branded um, version of the business in a video, in an evergreen way, because obviously the video, so long as it stays online and doesn't get deleted, it will live there forever. And when it's um, shared and commented on, it's yet another way of touching your customers your potential customers and your existing ones and i think that has certainly changed yes
2: is the behavior changed with regard to mobile versus uh, the way people shop on maybe a desktop computer or something are, is mobile shopping becoming bigger over the uh, over the course of the last 18 months or so
0: um, the latest stats i've read is that 70% of online purchases are actually mobile based and if that's true then you know i mean with any data point obviously you can have biases but i can easily see that it makes total sense because people are on their phone 24/7 or at least it feels like that and um it's so easy it has made shopping so easy and that's another importance if you do set up your e-commerce side of your business within your website it needs to be responsive it needs to be quick and that obviously also includes shipping times we see that um, most businesses who run really well and smoothly offer um, quick shipping same day delivery or very you know um, in in a very yeah quick manner if you will as well as free shipping that's another aspect many Overlook so they have to obviously mm. calculate their pricing well enough to cover the cost of shipping.
2: I guess, I guess now we're in an environment where we've all got to compete with Amazon Absolutely. because Amazon do this so smoothly, yes. so efficiently to the point where you can order something at eight o'clock in the morning and have a guy, well, I was gonna say, have a guy knocking on your doorstep. But what they normally do around our house is that they put the products on your front porch and then run away as fast as possible, <laughs> but uh, it can be delivered as fast as that
0: well i know of some small businesses um who've automated many steps and i think that's the way forward i mean if if you wanted to model amazon you would need a whole team and a logistics center etc so that's probably not doable for small business but what you could do is for instance as soon as you have um, created your product or you know it has come into your um, storage you packages package it right away obviously that's not possible if you sell um, in bulk or several items together for instance but literally if you have just a handful of products you can do all the packaging the printing obviously not the shipping labels you can't print pre-print them beforehand but you can put certain aspects um, into place Um, you could for instance, use a software to automatize that people um, receive their um, order confirmation, um, an update as to when the shopping uh, when the shipping will take place, um, updated shipping uh, notifications. You could push notifications as well if you um, have the right software in place. Is all possible? It just needs to be customized to your own business and to what your customers want and need at that point so it's difficult to just generalize mm-hmm. and just to adapt something someone international would be doing to a small business because the cost of software is obviously one to consider and also the cost of well people to actually package send and you know full the entire order fulfillment basically um, But it is possible to automatise many aspects of it. So we talked about we're talking
1: about all the wonderful uh, things that technology can do for us. But what about that um, experience and that charm of walking into tiny little shops? You know, going to villages and having that experience. Um, I have missed that, if I'm honest. You know, just going out with uh, you know my daughter or my mum and walking into a shop and having a browse. Um, What do you think? You know, do you think there is still a future for Shops or not, or do you think eventually everything will be online?
0: No, I do think that people, like you described it, and how I would describe myself as well. I do like to browse around and touch it, feel it, try it out. There's certainly a place for that, but I think online, the opportunity is there to at least give some type of visual stimuli. So, inform from three D, three hundred and sixty videos, um, augmented um, reality. You can talk to people. You can do a live, you can have your customers do a live, a Facebook live, an Instagram live. You can really utilize all the aspects, all the tools, if you will, from um, social media. And once again, they're all free. They're all free to use for any sized business. And I think while that's not the same as browsing in store, it's still giving you a completely different feel as to just the website where you have still images or just a product video where you just describe the features of the product.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like the middle, isn't it? It's kind of maybe the compromise in the middle. But one of the things that really gets me, which I've seen more and more of, and I'm a real sucker for this, is when they say other people also brought or similar items of... uh, it just gets me every time. I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. Well, actually, maybe because they've got it, I should get that too. And then it comes up with the discounts if you get all three. Oh, that's
2: so powerful, isn't it? <laughs> then you
1: get free shipping. Oh, yeah, that's I've seen more and more of that. And I think that's what you were talking about earlier with what you can offer um, more to that client and ultimately to get them to spend more, isn't it? Yes,
0: absolutely. Yeah, I think upsell is certainly... Um, a powerful tool. So the customer's already decided to put some certain product into the shopping basket. Is actually a couple of days ago, um, we looked with my class um, at a website, which did it fantastically well. Um, it wasn't Amazon, so it wasn't a big Um, you know, international, uh, international enterprise. It was a smaller business and yet they did quite well. Um, The example I showed um, the class live online um, was about a mobile phone. And um, the upsell then, so basically other customers bought that idea of you know enticing the customer to buy more, was so customized that it really made sense. It wasn't just the whiteboard and the pens. In this case, it was the insurance to cover the phone, the, the sticker you put on your phone, a screen protector, that's the one, a screen protector and some other gadgets. But all of those gadgets were not necessarily that you had to really think about it. They were all logical steps. Um, Small businesses can adapt to that, to upsell products that are in line and where you don't distract the customer. So not an upsell where you try and say somebody else bought these trousers with this T-shirt, for example. But what I do also see with smaller businesses is that they try in that process to have an upsell that doesn't work well.
2: Uh, There are some really clever techniques going on now to... um, help people or to encourage people to buy more within sites but something else which i think is really exciting and we're on the cusp of right now is uh, the way virtual reality and augmented reality can play a role in the way we shop online and i know I'm a, i don't know too much about this but am i right in thinking that actually some websites are and some bigger brands are working on ways that you can try clothes on online. So you like post a picture of yourself and uh, uh, and then augment- Augmentable Reality will put the clothes on top of a version of you so you can see what you might look like wearing that dress.
0: Oh, I haven't seen that. Yes, um, and that that certainly exists already. Um, so, for instance, if you do go on Specsavers, on the Specsaver website... Um, they already do that with glasses, and you can see it in some some other brands as well with clothing so yes, this software does exist, and you can look at yourself and you know there's then a picture obviously or a short video of you um looking front to the camera, turn right and turn left, and you can literally see yourself wearing those glasses or then yes. That is
1: so cool. I didn't know (laughs) that. Yeah,
2: that that is really cool, isn't it?
0: I've missed that along the way.
2: And I guess that's kind of where it's going next, isn't it?
0: Yes, absolutely. Again, for a small business owner, this is a software they could potentially use. It's not a heavy investment. All of of these um, opportunities are software-based, so there is access for anyone. For any any business, it just needs to make sense for your customer, obviously. But what if you can't do that? If you you know if that's a step too far, you can start in a smaller version. You could, for example, show your customers instead of working with models. And I see that a lot as well, in particular with um, people who um, advertise their products mainly on Instagram or mainly on Pinterest, they use their customer's picture. So um, it's customer-based. So while you can't see yourself necessarily because they don't want to use the software, don't know about it, or it's just out of their reach financially, um, they're using other customers that look alike, so to speak, like yourself. So you really need to know who are you talking to. And I see that a lot. So in particular, if you have a niche market or if you can really, well, figure out and, and, and funnel through who is your ideal customer and client, you can have pictures or videos and videos and feedback from your customers that, you know, so that people do actually feel like I'm connected. They're speaking my language. They're showing people like me, even it's not me, but my maybe, you know, they're married, they have three kids they uh, you know, along those lines. So it is definitely possible for any size business.
2: I think I can see this kind of thing changing as well. And it is starting to change, certainly on platforms like Instagram, where brands are choosing models that aren't, they don't look like they've just come off Love Island. They, you know, they, they, they look more like ordinary people. <laughs> uh, and I think that's a really powerful thing to do. And I just hope and pray that that continues to happen. Uh, so if you're marketing someone who yeah might be maybe a size fourteen or a size sixteen. You don't want to see a size ten person wearing what you might want to buy. You want to see what it would look like on someone of your shape.
0: Absolutely
1: yes. I think I think that the effect that has on people as well, you know, emotionally is really negative. And I think that then probably would create a negative feeling about that brand and that company anyway. Which is why I think it's good that other, like you say, Paul, really that they keep it realistic and not just based on size eights and tens. How do you feel that the rate that e-commerce is changing and developing is going to affect people's technology at home? Do you think it's going to be able to keep up with it?
0: Yes, I do believe that. I mean, many households already have an Alexa or a Google Dot in their home. So I think voice-activated shopping, you know, voice e-commerce, if you will, um, that's certainly driven that people look up something that comes up in their mind, then they no longer need to sit in front of the computer, be on their phone, they can ask Google for a certain product. And I think that's the near future but it's the same, uh, you know, when, when you talk about a product, for instance, I, I, I don't know whether you've noticed, but you talk about something and adverts pop up and that's voice activated through your phone.
2: No, Naomi, that's scary. That's what it is. It's actually scary. That
0: freaks me out, <laughs> <laughs> that yes. does. Yes, mm. it's obviously, again, it's software driven. They pick up, um, you know, it's voice recognition, which you want because you want to be able to talk to your phone. And you also... Um, Simultaneously agree to them utilizing that data point and then showing you adverts um, similar like cookies um, and this is just yeah it's, it's another new futuristic way of shopping
2: we mentioned this last week didn't we Claire about the whole thing where you can actually ask Alexa just to oh, reorder me some cat food or whatever it might be and then uh, mm-hmm. four yeah. hours later someone drops some cat food on your doorstep and runs away so that's a thing Um, And I guess, like you say, Naomi, that's going to be expanded out to other retailers and other products where you can just, it becomes so easy to buy something that you can literally just shout about it from the other end of your kitchen. Um, What other things are going to happen in the future? I know we touched on, Augmented and virtual reality, uh, and we touched on some ways that it's going to make it easier for smaller brands and smaller businesses to start uh, embracing this technology. Well, I mean, where do you think it's going to go in maybe five or 10 years' time? Where do you think we'll be?
0: I think we will have a blended way of shopping. I do believe that, as Claire said, the small shops will still exist, but it's more experience based. So we would meet up with friends or, you know, or just by ourselves and experience the, the, the touch and the feel of the shops. Pure e-commerce businesses have um, stores where you can try out a stepper or try out a machine I think that will certainly still be there and I think that's probably where where we are heading at so the experience of touch will still be there but I, I do believe that this is becoming more and more I mean they're talking about drones dropping packages
2: I know I mean I know in some some cities in the UK they're already doing yeah. a, some kind of a version of that are they not necessarily with drones but I know they have oh, bots yes, who come a- and deliver stuff to your Door. Oh, wow. I think, am I right in thinking Milton Keynes is doing that now?
0: That's a good question. I'm, I'm not aware of it, but it's possible that they do. Um... They do obviously have boxes where you can just get your delivery instead of home and, you know, similar like a drop box outside, but I'm not sure whether Milton Keynes is doing it. you just made that up? I might
2: have just dreamt that, Naomi. (laughs) But I want the robot to actually stay there and I've said thank you.
1: Do you know what? That really annoys you. Oh,
2: don't. So we have, look, let me just spell this out for you, right? So I live on a farm, right? So I've got three other cottages near me. If the delivery person ends up putting the parcel on my doorstep and is still there when I open the door, it's a miracle. (laughs) Nine times out of ten, they'll deliver it to someone else's door and then Amazon will tell me that it's been delivered. Well, where is it? Uh, Or sometimes they will just drop it off at the door and run away like I'm as some sort of scary man or something perhaps i am i don't know
1: i think they're probably they're scared of you yeah i but think do, that's what it do is do you make a mad dash like is it like a little game now that you play with yourself to see if you could quickly get downstairs before they go <laughs> do you
2: know what i do all the amazon drivers must have a message to each other and saying when you go to number three make sure you don't hang around because the guy there is super scary
1: yeah that's it that's it that's what the issue is <laughs> um i always think it's good practice if ever we're looking at Um, implementing anything new in business is to look at the people that are doing it right so could you give maybe an example of a company who can lead by example in e-commerce and you know maybe why they are so successful
0: one good example and i use this a lot as well in my lessons is the um, cambridge satchel company they i i believe are a fantastic um way of looking at it from a small stand, you know, from a small business that grew internationally in a significant way online. And I think they've, they've done fantastically well. I think it's a, it's a mother daughter pair initially, or it was initially who um, produced, you know, at home satchels to be sold online and have utilized social media, they've utilized their website and they're literally internationally known now. And I think one big driver was that they, as you said, um, use, well, use ordinary people. They are ordinary people. They used ordinary people in their marketing in their content marketing. Um, they were so specific, that's another, key driver i think in any type of business success that you are specific you can't help everyone with everything that's almost impossible as a small business owner you have to niche down you have to have a clear message and people need to know what you sell and in this case they have um, started just with satchels they do have other bags as well in their um, portfolio now but initially they really literally as the name said they were from cambridge they sold satchels.
2: There's some really good tips there about uh, we, any for any business, not ne- just necessarily someone who's trying to sell something online, uh, is to have a niche and make it really, really obvious that that's what your niche is. And I love companies that do that so obviously. Uh, and they're, they're playing on the fact that they're in Cambridge, which for people in other countries, that's a real sort of, it has got a real Englishness about it. And so is satchels. I mean, it's a perfect combination in some respects, isn't it? Yes,
0: yes, absolutely.
2: Let's think about maybe uh, a company or a business who isn't doing this already or perhaps might be tickling the surface with this. Three things that perhaps a small business should be doing now or thinking about now so they don't get left behind uh, and they start having some sort of an online offering.
0: First thing is to clarify who's their customer. That's the key driver. So number one, identify your ideal customer and client identify where they are online and what they do online. And even if you don't have your own data points, utilize data points, which are available. So that's quote, uh, that's um, surveys, that's data from Statista, if you will, because they're international as well, be very clear on who is your product or service for? A next step would then to consider what are my strengths and weaknesses online at the moment. So for instance, is your website up to date? Um, How is your website set up? Do you maintain your website by yourself or do you need outside help? So probably outsource it or get a team member to help you with this. Because again, your platform, if you are intending to go online, will then obviously be your website. And if that's not optimized, there's no need to go any further. And then I think the last part would then be how can I combine the two? So how can I reach my ideal customer and how can I optimize my website so that it works together? And if I may add um, a last point, um, is the fulfillment. Am I ready to fulfill the orders coming in? I mean, the biggest dream of most business owners is that people would run the door down and just come in and buy. And in the best case scenario, that's happening. Um, And if that's happening, what happens over the weekend? What happens if somebody has a question? Is there a service hotline, a service email? Somebody needs to maintain that. So while it's a good idea to start, it's also you need to forward think. So you don't want to upset anyone, um, so to speak. So I think um, looking into your near future, what happens if?
2: That's something that a lot of people and certainly something that I'd not really considered before is not just getting all this stuff right online, but then having processes in place and having systems in place so you can actually deliver it's all very well it looking great online and the ordering process being great and i don't know about you claire but i've fallen victim to this in the past with stuff I've ordered online that just hasn't arrived or arrived late or there's been a problem with the delivery. I mean, that's just going to put you off straight away. You're never going to go back there again, regardless of what it looks like and what how flashy the website is.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, I have had that, definitely. Um, the other thing I was just thinking is if you do have a um, – when you have stock, when you have a physical premises – you know what your stock levels are. But of course, by going online, you have no control over that. So you might actually sell 100 pieces of a certain item rather than just 10 in store. So I guess there's a lot of management needed with that as well.
0: Yes, absolutely. And again, you can have that Automatized, software driven, where you have your stock um, managed through a software. So you don't actually, you know, you know, obviously somebody needs to maintain that. Somebody needs to uh, insert the numbers. But as soon as you've done that process manually, usually the software can take over and then, uh, check stock levels and also again another step to automatize when stock levels are low so to for instance use a plug-in with a pop-up window to alert your customer we only have three in stock so order now so that would be then also at the same time a call to action you want to entice them to make a decision now
2: definitely and 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 by the way can I just point out word of the episode which we all need to write down now automatize that's great <laughs> i've never heard that word before that's brilliant
1: it is, it's Okay, um, Naomi, you've come up with... I've actually really enjoyed this conversation about about e-commerce and uh, you've come up with some such valuable tips. So thank you so much. Um, We're going to be going on to the questions now. Now, these are completely unrelated to business and they're inspired by the TV show Inside the Actors Studio. So are you ready for your questions, Naomi?
0: I am, (laughs) yes. Okay, so what is your favourite smell? Vanilla and chocolate.
2: Or together or separately?
0: Like a vanilla and chocolate Mm. cake. That's my most favourite scent if you will or just as a mm. you know a drop on a pillow or something just
2: oh my god if i get like chocolate tr- tr- scent on a pillow i'm gonna be eating the pillow in my sleep <laughs> i just know it's gonna happen
1: You're dribbling and, and
2: dribbling as well there yeah they'll be, oh, i do that anyway but i mean you know
1: i was gonna i was just about to say <laughs> you probably do that anyway <laughs> perhaps i've just revealed yeah. a
2: little bit too much now I've forgotten we're recording anyway what's your favorite biscuit naomi
1: custard cream oh
2: my god i love you yes yeah, you that's can't cool. beat <laughs> a custard cream naomi can you
0: yeah you really can't and i really Really like dipping it in as well, so it becomes a bit soft softer, you know, around the edge. Oh, that's gross!
2: <laughs> do you, I mean, do you just go dunk like in the mouth, or do you do you take it apart? Maybe is there a, a process with mm, your?
0: No, I don't take it apart. I dunk it in, take a bite, dunk it in again. I know double dipping, but it's my own drink, so yeah, you exactly.
2: Know. You can do what you like. You <laughs> can you can let it sink it sink down to the. Oh, you don't want to do that, no, because it's no, when you no. over dunk <laughs> and then you end up with that sort of you know sludge yeah. at the bottom of your coffee or, or something. You yeah, don't want that. No,
1: I don't do that, but if you had a big chunk you just got distracted and i can't believe i'm about to ask this and half the biscuit fell off and went to the bottom of your mug would you still drink it or would you make yourself another one
2: Oh, that's a good question. That's a quandary right there. I, don't know what I, I think it depends on the drink. Because
1: it's gross. You can't drink it with all the other bits in it, surely. Or do you? I don't know. Well, if you have
0: a spoon, you might be able to, to fish it out again, no. you know. Oh, no.
1: So you go in
2: so you with your, your drink. fingers. And so I to get that out so I can carry oh, on the that's drink. That's
1: disgusting. <laughs> oh, no. Love that. Oh, I've lost my concentration now.
2: So, Naomi, thank you so much. It's been a really interesting journey through e commerce and learning a little bit about where it's at now, how small businesses should be um taking hold of this and running with it and perhaps even where it's going. So thank you so much for some really yes, interesting thank you uh information there it's been a really interesting conversation so if people want to carry on the conversation find out more about you i know they can find you via us but if they want to come and check out your website or find out a little bit more about what you do uh where can they come reach you
0: yes first of all thank you so much for having me and yes people would like to reach me can find me on NeomimicLochland.com. com, and um, i do have a group that's the e-commerce business hub so it's um For anyone who has already an um, e-commerce business or wants to start an e-commerce business, uh, a good network of people who are like-minded, who do the same and have the same type of or similar type of challenges. And you can find out more about it via my website as well, naomimeknochlen.com.
2: This is The Big Little Business Show, the podcast
0: with bigger tips for small business. I have never really appreciated
1: the technology that's out there for businesses to run their businesses online and um, especially in the last eighteen months and what is actually possible for people to do. Um it's it's moving fast. It's a really fast moving world and I think it's important that we keep up with our knowledge and our understanding as to exactly, you know, how far we can go in the world of e-commerce.
2: Yeah, and I still think there are some things that people need to get right. I mean still nowhere near perfect. But like you say the environment has changed over the last 18 months and I think I said this last week it's just like someone's put their pedal on the gas and made this stuff happen a lot lot faster
1: yeah absolutely and I know that you're you're a, a fan of the Amazon delivery drivers aren't
2: you oh, yeah, I know we mentioned this earlier on um, I mean Amazon are great <laughs> and I know you love Amazon too I'm
1: dangerous on Amazon
2: <laughs> yeah you are dangerous there's a lot of lessons we can learn from Amazon but the one thing Amazon still hasn't got right are the numpties who come and deliver parcels to my door
1: it gets right on your wick <laughs>
2: it really does get <laughs> on my nerves because it takes it's, it's nothing it takes nothing to just deliver a parcel knock on the door wait for someone to open the door uh, unless we were playing knock down ginger as a kid That's what we used to do. If we wanted to pass something over to someone, uh, we would knock on the door and wait for them to answer, not just put the thing down and run away. Do you ever
1: actually see them? Do you see them in the distance or do you not even get to that? Yeah, (laughs) I do. So there's there's, quite a long
2: path down to the road from where I live because I don't actually, my house isn't actually on a road. So you have to go down a path to get to the road uh, where the obviously delivery driver's van is. Uh, and by the time I open the door, I'm mean, literally I see their back down the bottom of the path. So they have literally just dropped the parcel, taken the photo or whatever they do to prove that they've delivered it, ring the doorbell and leg
1: What do you say to them? You must have scared someone previously. They must be frightened of you. That's all I can think. They wait for me.
2: I just, <laughs> I just shout, actually,
1: thanks. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you carry on playing your own little competition with the Amazon delivery drivers. It
2: proves that there are still things that even the big boys don't get right.
1: Yeah. Now. But I mean, hey, Naomi was saying about drones drones delivering i mean that would solve the issue but then it might land on your roof and then you might not be able to get it be <laughs> able to reach it
2: yeah it's true it's a whole set of pro- whole other set of problems we've developed there
1: land in a tree
2: land in someone else's tree i'm not well, sure who knows how that could go wrong in many different ways
1: you have to get a step ladder to get your delivery <laughs> That's funny.
2: But an interesting topic nonetheless, and I'm glad we covered it. And uh, we hope that hasn't given you more questions than provided you with answers and made you think about how important it is that if you're selling products, you should certainly be selling them online. It's a business opportunity you should definitely be taking advantage of. Anyway, we're kind of done here, but thank you very much for listening. We hope you've learned something all about e-commerce in this episode. Or can we just touch on something we're doing over the next month or so? Because if you're listening to this in... Real time, so it'd be sort of middle of July. Uh, we're having a bit of a change to the podcast over August, aren't we?
1: Yes, we are. So uh, we're always listening to our listeners, and um, we, you know, we love the feedback that we're receiving. So thank you, everybody, so much for that. But we're going to be doing something a little bit different. So we're going to be releasing five mini episodes, um, which will be from questions that are generated from our audience, and then we're going to be answering those questions and. Um, Yeah, sharing our thoughts with the topics.
2: Yeah, and in the interest of transparency, the reason why we're doing five shorter episodes over August is because we're we're both going away for the summer, we're having a little bit of uh, time away, so uh, we thought we'd do this. So uh, it helps to answer some of the questions that people have asked us over the time that we've been doing the podcast and we haven't sort of maybe addressed those yet. So it's a good opportunity to uh, address those, but at the same time, uh, it gives us a little bit of downtime so we can come back in September with a whole bunch of new subjects a whole bunch of new guests uh, so we can further help you move your business on everyone needs a bit of a break don't they
1: yeah indeed they do um, it's good to have some downtime so that's important
2: so that's us done uh, we'll see you back here with a, a regular length episode and in the meantime if you want to get in touch with us about e-commerce or anything else we've covered on other episodes then you can find us on Instagram at Big Little Business Show Facebook at Big Little business business show uh and linkedin too and don't forget to check us out on the web which is biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk where you can get our newsletter and keep up to date with everything we're doing every single monday and that pretty much does
1: it say goodbye claire you did my bit today
2: oh i'm sorry did you want to do that bit
1: no sorry. bye bye
2: You've been listening to The Big Little Business Show with Paul Mumford and Claire Horsley. You can subscribe to get the latest episodes
0: via iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and everywhere you find your favourite podcasts. Come and find us at biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk and we're on
1: Facebook too. Just search for Big Little Business Show.